Today we are addressing a topic that, that really affects every single person here in this room. You know, if you aren't currently in the midst of one, you will be very soon. And what is that topic? The topic is conflict. And in these few verses, in fact, only three verses, we find a great deal of wisdom for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn them open to James chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through to 3, uh, which is our text for this morning. I'm going to read and then I'm going to pray for us. James 4, one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Why don't you join with me in praying? Lord, we thank you this morning for the power of the gospel. The message that Christ came and shed his blood so that we could find peace in you. And we just pray this morning as we come to this word, a difficult word, a challenging word, that you would open the ears of our hearts. That you would soften our hearts to hear and receive your very own words to us. So Lord, help us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll start with a question this morning for us. When was the last time you completely lost it. Now, you might not have to think very hard about that question. It might have been, in fact, on the car on the way here to church this morning. Uh, When was the last time you just flew off and just lost it? Absolutely lost your temper. Uh, You know, growing up, uh, I had... I guess you could describe it as, Melody's smiling, a tense relationship with my brother, Daniel, and uh, my older brother, he's two years older than me, Daniel Willis. And uh, he's, uh, anyway, uh, we would often kind of be at each other's throats, and I can remember one memorable instance uh, of us arguing over something. I don't even know what we were arguing over, 
And I just completely lost it. I went into my room. I slammed the door so hard. And I was so full of rage. I actually punched holes through my cupboard, my like wooden cupboard in my room and just started punching the floor and everything. And I got cuts all down my wrists. Uh, because of it, I was so full of anger and rage over this argument we were having. Why do we get angry? Why do we just sometimes lose it? You know, there's two types of anger, two different ways and types of person um, in the way in which we express our anger. There's the exploder who just goes off, you know, absolutely loses it. And then there's the bottler as well. I mean, the person who doesn't say anything and looking on, you might think they're fine, but inside you're just seething. You are just seething and fuming and... Why do some people just irritate you more than others? Have you ever thought about that? Why are there just some people that just get on your nerves so bad? Why is it that relationships sometimes go sour and you can just, in an instant, fly off into a rage? Why is it so hard sometimes not to replay conversations over and over and over again? Why is it so much more difficult to make peace than war? Have you ever wondered that? Well, this morning's message is entitled, The War Within. And really, three simple points this morning, three very simple points from our text but one real heart of this message, and that is this, for those that are taking notes, uh, that we would see that to stop fights and quarrels, we must submit our desires to Christ. That's really the one take-home, the one thing really that we're going to take uh, and look at at different angles this morning, one simple take-home, and that is that, that we would see that to stop them, to stop fights and quarrels, what is required is that we must submit our desires to Christ. That's really where we're going. Well, let me get stuck in with our first point this morning, point number one, the root of fights and quarrels. Uh, Just by way of context, uh, in this series, uh, we've been helping uh, us to see, we've been seeing together that that James is really a mini-sermon series Uh, to brand new Jesus communities that are kind of only about 10 or 15 years old. Uh, Jesus only 10 or 15 years earlier had died on the cross and been raised from the dead. And because of persecution, these poor Jewish background, mainly subsistence farmers, had been, through persecution, dispersed out around Jerusalem. And And James, who's a loving pastor, but living in Jerusalem, writes this letter for distribution around these different Jesus communities. And we're up to the third of four sermons in this little sermon series by James. And this sermon that we find ourselves in is really about dissensions, arguments within the community. And we can safely see and assume that there was conflict amongst these communities. There were, from our passage, verse 1, fights and quarrels. 
And James is really addressing this head on. What was the fighting and quarreling about? What was the conflicts about? We're not really told what these fights and these quarrels are about, but we can kind of speculate. We have a few clues as to the sorts of things they might be about. Uh, Earlier on in chapter 2, 1 through to 13, James is talking about how people were showing partiality to the rich and to the poor. There was this real partiality between people that was occurring. Uh, In chapter 2, 14 to 26, we see that there were other people in the community that were kind of living really recklessly as though their lifestyle didn't matter at all. In our passage uh, just two weeks ago, we saw that some within the community were ambitious, aspiring to be teachers, but reckless with their speech. We see through that passage that some people in the church were full of bitter jealousy and boastful. And so James, as a loving pastor, had been helping people to see that the tongue has this amazing destructive capacity. It's like a rudder that steers a whole ship. It's like a wildfire that sets ablaze and can cause this huge ruin. And these baby Christians, what they need most of all is wisdom from above. And so we read uh, that passage that Jesse read this morning from chapter 3, uh, verse 17 and 18, which says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then, notice, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by who? By those who make peace. See what James's focus is in this community? It's on solving this problem of fights and quarrels. He's been encouraging these divided communities. Do you want to have God's wisdom? Be a peacemaker. Love your neighbor and make peace with them. And now he turns to address a new question on the same topic. Chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Where does all this fighting come from in the first place? You know, when it comes to answering that question... Our usual practice, well, at least mine is, is we look outward. The cause is personality types. Irritating people. Maybe family members. The cause is stressful situations. It's just I'm under so much pressure right now. Have you heard that line before? It's caused by lack of sleep. I'm just really tired and so, you know, I'm just kind of speaking my mind at the moment. I'm just too tired. It's caused by unreasonable situations like a noisy house, 
like that troublesome balcony smoker. I mean, I live in this uh, block of flats, right? And, um, you know, you'll be watching telly, minding your own business, and suddenly, in through the door, the waft of cigarette smoke. And so I just drop what I'm doing, march outside. I'm trying to bust them. You know, where are you, balcony smoker? I'm on to you. (laughs) Um, Unreasonable situations. Unfair demands and expectations. We usually look outward, don't we? But James wants us to see something very important, and that is that fights and quarrels don't come from outward. They come from within. Now, just as a caveat, it is possible to be in a fight or a quarrel where only one party has offended or is offended and is fighting as a result. Now, this is not the situation James has in mind, and I put to us that that situation is not the normal situation by any stretch. We're talking about fights and quarrels between two parties. Read with me what James says, verse 1 again. What causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Within you. It's not due to external circumstances. It is within. It is within you. See, according to Pastor James, the problem is with the heart. And what James is teaching is exactly the same as what his big brother Jesus taught. See, Jesus says in Luke 6.45, he says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You see, fights and quarrels do not just happen as a fact of life. They are the overflow of our hearts. Anger isn't just a thing that happens, it comes from within. And we see this so clearly in the fact that we don't actually respond to situations and people in the same way, do we? Not at all. So you can be stuck in traffic and running late from work. This is the one that drives me crazy. And be furious, so mad. Every mistake of the driver in front of you is a personal offense, blocking you from wanting to be where you want to be, getting where you're going. And another person is stuck in the exact same traffic, on the way back to the office from a meeting and they're being paid by the hour and Spotify is on and the windows are down and they are loving life. (laughs) The same traffic, two very different responses. One person is so annoying to you. You can't stand more than five minutes in their presence. But to another person, that's their best friend. 
the exact same person, two completely different effects. A child is willfully disobedient in creche and you calmly discipline them. The same child is willfully disobedient to their parent and it's the last straw and they lash out. The same child, two very different responses. Paul Tripp puts it so well when he says, we do not respond to people and situations in the same way because we do not bring the same heart to them. Isn't that so true? The problem is from within. You see, sometimes our fights and quarrels can be very confusing. Just like that fight with my brother. I don't even know how it started in the first place. And I wonder if that's your experience sometimes. You can find yourself in a fight and you're fighting and you're kind of fighting based on what the person is saying, but you don't even know how you got there in the first place. It can be so confusing And yet, though fights can become very confusing, their cause is very simple. They are caused by the desires of the heart. Read with me again, verse 1. What causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Verse 2. You desire and do not have. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on what? Your passions. Fights and quarrels can be complicated, but the root is simple. They are caused by passions. They are caused by desires, by pleasures, by delight by things we want to enjoy. And what are these desires doing? They are waging an inner war. They are fighting for supremacy. You know, Paul Tripp puts it this way. He says, we don't typically think about our desires waging war. We think of surprising, powerful or wrong desires. But we must understand the war metaphor James is using. If a war is being fought between nations, it is fought for geographical and political control. Control is the purpose of war. So it is with our desires, which fight for control of our hearts. What controls our hearts will exercise inescapable influence over our lives and behavior. A war raging within us. Different desires at war. And it's a battle that rages within all of us. A battle of desire waging war for supremacy over our lives. And we see it all the time. In the car on the way home from church, Colin Buchanan is blaring, All like sheep have gone astray, ba, ba, do up, ba. And the kids are singing along. And in that moment, two competing desires. One, The desire for peace and quiet. Reasonable, a good desire. Two, the desire to encourage your children in the Lord. Because they're singing worship songs, aren't they? 
desires at war, fighting for supremacy. A close friend has been dishonest and told you a lie. Two competing desires. On the one hand, for them to think highly of you, the good desire to maintain friendship. On the other, the desire to lovingly help them repent and grow. Desires at war. You return home from a long day work and immediately are overwhelmed by the desire to rest, relax, and catch up on Netflix. But equally, the desire to spend some time reading the Bible and praying, which you haven't done all week. Two desires waging war. Even one for for me from this week, you are driving home and you see a man lying down on the ground and another man kicking him and stomping on him on the ground and immediately you're overwhelmed with two desires. One, the desire to be a hero and two, the desire to be a chicken and pretend you didn't see anything and go home. I kind of immediately went home and pretended and then Charlotte was on the phone and I'm like, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And I went back and they'd gone anyway. But (laughs) desires at war. All of us, all the time, fighting for control of our hearts. Paul Tripp uh, says this, this is so helpful. He says, if my heart is ruled by a certain desire, there are only two ways I can respond to you. If you are helping me get what I want, I will be happy with you. But if you stand in my way, I will be angry, frustrated, and discouraged when I am with you. There will be times when I wish you weren't in my life. My problem is not you or the situation we are in together. My problem is that a legitimate desire has taken over my heart and is now in control. This desire has, become, has so much power that is no longer legitimate. It has become an inordinate, sinful desire because it has grown to a position of authority over my heart. Isn't that true? Desires fighting for control. What causes fights and quarrels? Legitimate desires that take control of our hearts. When some other desire or love takes control of our hearts, we have a word for that. And that is an idol. A good desire has taken control and has replaced God in my life. I am now obeying a new master. And the master is this new desire. A new God, if you will, that is controlling me. This desire is now the governing authority in my life over and above God. It is my new God because I am no longer interested in obeying the true God. What causes fights and quarrels? The answer is simpler than you think. Cravings, desires. This is the root of fights and quarrels, controlling idolatrous desires. Not just the root, point two, the fruit of idolatrous desires. You see, we have this tendency to diminish and downplay the significance, the seriousness of our fights and quarrels, don't we? We had a falling out. We 
Well, we just don't get along. We just clash when we're together. It's a little bit awkward at the moment. We're just having a break. I'm just getting a little bit ticked off. That's all I'm doing. We might downplay their significance, but James wants us to see the devastating fruit they produce. This is the devastating fruit of cravings left unchecked. Firstly, there's horizontal fruit, fruit in our relationships with others. Read with me uh, James 4 verse 2. He says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You might be reading that and think, whoa, James, a bit extreme there. I mean, bickering and arguing. Now, James's intention with these words is to shock us. See, James is probably not meaning that they were actually murdering one another on a Sunday, that you know, CSI was there usually to carry out people in body bags from the Sunday gatherings. Now, here again, the teaching of his brother Jesus Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21 to 22, he says, You have heard it said of old that you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You see, according to Jesus, murder and anger are joined on the same continuum, so closely related that Jesus considers them practically equivalent. Did you realize that to Christ your anger is equivalent to murder? It's the end fruit of controlling idolatrous desire. I will take your life to get what I want. Murder. But not just murder. He goes on and he says, You covet and cannot obtain. Covet. That word means envy. Envy is unhappiness at another man's blessing. It's rather than rejoicing in God's goodness to me and to another, you resent it. More, you want to quash it. It's the fruit of disordered desire and it's a mark of real ingratitude. It, envy is blindness to the blessing of God. Curse them and bless me. And lastly, The third fruit is, as we've seen, fights and quarrels. Show me a church that is full of quarreling and infighting, and I will show you a church with passions at war, filled with controlling, idolatrous desire. Now, thankfully, this isn't a message of correction for us as a church. We are not that church. We are a church that is free of quarreling and fighting. This is a church that this message is mainly one of preparation. Would we guard against it for the future? We must listen to this. Not just horizontal fruit, also vertical fruit in a dysfunctional relationship with God. Read these verses from James. Verse 2, he says, You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you just don't ask for it. You see, these Christians are trying to force their desires to become realities rather than simply asking God. 
They're blocked from receiving their desires and so they are fighting and they are quarreling. Maybe the person knows or maybe they assume that the desire is not what God would want and they don't even think to ask. You see, not asking is a sin against the glory of God because it's failing to treat him as truly God. But more than that, just just not asking, selfish asking. Verse 3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Rather than seeing God as the king of kings and living in submission to him, they see him as waiter in chief. And we too can treat God as a footman that answers to our bell, who exists to serve my passions and my pleasures. You see, we can downplay the significance of our fights and quarrels, and yet they are deadly serious. They have a devastating effect on our relationships with one another, and they deeply dishonor God. And that is point two, the fruit of fights and quarrels. Well, finally, point three, the end of fights and quarrels. You know, we've seen that fights and quarrels are caused by cravings within our hearts and that they bear deadly fruit, but how do we actually put an end to them? How do we stop our fighting and quarreling? Well, firstly... I put to us that we identify the desires at war within us. You know, this passage of Scripture, I really believe, church, has the power to truly change your life. You're someone sitting here this morning and you struggle with and you're mindful of fighting and quarreling and bickering in your life. This passage could change your life. It has the power to transform you into one of those blessed peacemakers that Jesus talks about. You see, James teaches us that the cause of conflict is warring desires within. So when you find yourself filling up with anger, you can ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm desiring in this moment? What is it that I want that's being threatened? What is it that I'm afraid of losing? But the thing is that often the desires that overwhelm us, they're not actually for God's glory, but for our own glory. They're often mainly actually about our ego. So when they're exposed, they're actually really embarrassing. Tim Keller gives us this pointed example. He says, he says this, he says, there's nothing wrong with getting angry to a degree if someone slights your reputation. But why are you 10 times, 100 times more angry about it than some horrible injustice being done to people in another part of the world? Because if what you're really looking for or looking to for your significance and security is people's approval or a good reputation or status or something like that, then when anything gets between you and the thing you have to have, you become implacably angry. You have to have it. 
you're over the top, you can't shrug it off. Isn't that so true? We identify the desires at war within us, but so often the desires we most want are selfish. They're really about us. That's the first step towards ending our conflict. It's identifying our desires and asking ourselves the question, what is it that I'm wanting? The second step is surrendering our desires to God. How can we change? How can we end fights and quarrels? The answer is actually easier than you think. And it's actually right here in our passage this morning. Let me read for you again that verse, verse 2. He says, You do not have because you do not ask. Did you catch that? They were fighting and quarreling over the desires of their hearts and then missed the obvious. Ask God. Ask God for help. Ask God to give you that desire. And what will the result be? James says in chapter 1, verse 5, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach. He will generously give without reproach when you ask him. He is the father of lights who is constantly, always showering down good from above without variation or shadow due to change. We can ask him. But this isn't merely bringing a shopping list of desires to God. That's not how prayer works. Verse 3 again, James says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We can ask wrongly. That word means badly, to just squander it on our own desires. We can pray, My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But a loving Father won't give us serpents when we ask for them. He knows we need bread. Rather than Jesus' example in the garden as he prays, take this cup from me, and yet not my will, but yours be done. See, prayer is about making God God. It's asking him, yes, but it's also about recognizing his place on the throne of our lives and submitting ourselves to his will. And this is as much as what James says a few verses down in, in chapter 6, he says, or in uh, chapter 4, verse 6, he says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. We come and we humbly submit ourselves to God, and he will give more grace. He will help us with our desires. But how can we know that God will put an end to our conflict when we submit our desires to him? How can we know that? The answer is that he has already put an end to our greatest conflict. You see, our greatest conflict was not with a family member or a friend. It was one-sided. It was caused by our cravings. We were all at fault 
and facing eternal judgment. But the offended party came and humbled himself. He took the price of our rebellion upon himself. And every blow that he should have delivered to us was instead delivered upon him. Fully paid on the cross. But not just paid on the cross, an empty tomb, which means that he is risen from the dead. He has defeated death and lives to intercede for us. By his Holy Spirit, he has freed us through faith from the power of sin and lives in us. You know, Paul writes to the church in Galatia who were bitterly divided and infighting. And he says this in Galatians 5. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Note that promise, you will not. That is power from above. That is wisdom from above. That is goodness from above coming down from the Father of lights. He goes on, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Listen to this. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The flesh, the spiritually dead body without, the spiritually dead body that is opposed to God, died on the cross when Jesus died. Its passions and desires for self were killed. And the Spirit now is at work in us, transforming us. We are new creations in Christ. You see, the irony of it all is that when we allow our desires to control us, we neglect the one who can truly satisfy. Could a relationship ever truly satisfy? Could respect or a promotion? Could comfort? Could rest? Could sleep? Could peace and quiet? Could a holiday? Could a home, could a holiday home? Now, I was really convicted about uh, this quote this week. I was reading it from uh, a book by Tim Keller from St. Augustine. And he he says this on the key to being a person who prays. He says, you must account yourself desolate in this world, however great the prosperity of your lot might be. So often we fail to pray. We, we fail to simply ask God because there are too many things that we love other than him in our lives. And the key to prayer and the key to asking God is seeing that my life, apart from him, and apart from the Lord Jesus, is completely desolate, regardless of how much stuff I might have. You may be filthy rich, but the only thing of real worth you have is Christ. Only He can satisfy your heart's desire. Only He can end your conflict. He gives more grace. 
He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself, your desires, your dreams, your passions, your awe to him, and he will still the raging war in your heart. How do we end fights and quarrels? We identify the desire within us and we submit it to Christ. We ask him to satisfy us. Well, in a broken world, church, fights and quarrels are bound to come our way. We've seen that the root of fights and quarrels is idolatrous desires within. We've seen that the fruit of fights and quarrels is more serious than we think. And we've seen that the end of fights and quarrels is to identify our desires and submit them to our God and King. Why don't I just close and pray for us? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you have revealed yourself to be a peacemaker. Because you came on a mission of peace. You came to end a quarrel that you didn't have to end. For we were the guilty party through and through. And that you came and humbled yourself and died on the cross in our place, Lord, all because you are a peace-making God. Lord, I pray that for all of us sitting here this morning, Lord, you would give us something of your mindset. Whatever the fights and quarrels that might be raging in our life, that you would help us to have the mind of Christ. That you would help us to see that we are not our own, but we were purchased at such a price. That we have been set free from sinful, fleshly desires to serve you, our true maker. And in you and you alone, we will find satisfaction and stillness of heart. So Lord, however bad our quarreling and fighting might be, however fierce the war in our hearts, would you help us to come to you? on bended knee and submit it all to you. For to you alone belongs the glory and praise now and forever. Amen.